Hello and welcome to yet another very, very, very special Empire podcast. This is a big interview podcast with the one and only Gillian Anderson. Needless to say, there is plenty on the files marked X, as well as, well, let's just see. Simon Pegg going on a pub quiz with her and her ongoing email relationship with the man she calls Double D. So, without any further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to enjoy nearly an hour's worth of Gillian Anderson being frank and very, very funny. The people interviewing Gillian here are James Dyer and Nick DeSemelin. Enjoy. And so, welcome to the Empire Podcast, Gillian Anderson. Gillian, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, and since we spat my gum out, you know. Yes, that's, I noticed that. <laughs> that's very considerate. Not quite Veruca Salt. Close. <laughs> in in lieu of any better way to start the podcast i'm going to say you're an ardman fan aren't you what does that mean oh, <laughs> no way. wallace and gromit oh wallace yes and gromit. but why do i what? ardman animation they who make nick oh, parks company makes i wallace am that's so funny because i just yeah. my um one of my sons was wearing the um who was it it was um shaun was wearing a shaun the sheep t-shirt over the weekend and my daughter who's now 18 said but isn't that mine <laughs> And I said, well, yeah, but you've grown out of it. Can it not be his? Because you've been quoted as saying that The Wrong Trousers is one of your one of your favourite films. Yes. Well, yes, it was for a long time, I think, that uh, definitely The Wrong Trousers. But I recently did something for NPR where they asked for um, me to talk intellectually about one of my favourite films of all times that I've seen a hundred uh, <laughs> over a hundred times. And I was going through the list of all the, you know, fancy-dancy world films that I've seen over the years and came up with Madagascar 2. Oh, so I then found myself having to, um, you know, describe in detail the plot of Madagascar <laughs> 2 and what Alex happens, what Alex the Lion does. And, what and, and the greater symbolism. And the great, you yeah. know, I didn't even get into that. Was so all of a sudden I thought, oh my God, I haven't put enough thought into this. I can't remember... I can't remember any of the lines that the monkeys say, those fabulous lines <laughs> that the monkeys say about... Um, Opposable thumbs yeah. and yeah, yeah. All I think we can agree it's all about the penguins. It is all about the penguins, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. Are you angling for animation roles? Uh, you know, I would love to do. Uh, I've done most of the. Oh, the, mm, what animation have I done? I've done Miyazaki. I did, oh, and yes. I did um, Princess Mononoke, and then recently did Up on Poppy Hill, which I thought was coming out. And I anyway. But you but were I also the witch in a room on the broom. Yes, yes, I was the witch. My children don't even know that. They've seen it so many times, but it they don't know what I do. And so it just didn't seem appropriate. And so I was thinking one of them is going to get it, is going to say, doesn't that sound like, you know, you? Living in the UK, though, obviously <laughs> your, your TV options are slightly more limited than if you were still in the States. Is it? Do you, do you gorge yourself on Broadchurch and Downton Abbey then? Occasionally, when I, you get the chance. I actually, I'm. I don't watch anything. <gasps> I literally don't watch anything. I just don't. I don't. It's quite funny, really, because you've had such a sort of profound effect on television as a whole. Because the X Files was so influential, and then you know you're, you're not seeing the fruits of your labours. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth between feeling really guilty about it <laughs> and thinking, good God, you know, you've got to see what what's out there and also support other people's work mm. and et cetera, et cetera. But I just, I think there's part of me that's a little bit afraid that if I if I get attached to something that's that's serial, mm. um, that well, there goes my life. That that suddenly I'll um, I just won't I'll, I'll decidedly um, not put the kids to bed, <laughs> just you know, or something like that. Or, but there's something I get quite depressed when I watch a lot of television. If I'm if I if I sit 
somehow I've made up in my mind that that you know watching a one and a half hour or two hour movie is is okay. But if I were to sit in front of two hours of TV, that somehow I um, my, my life would be falling apart. You realize you've, you've just destroyed. <laughs> Both of our self-esteem, <laughs> irreparably. This is almost say, all we do. Our no, lives fell apart a long time ago. No, yeah. just, I watched five episodes of Hannibal on the weekend. Oh, did you? Yes, in preparation for this. Clearly five hours and wasted. And I wasn't even in any of them that you watched. It's very time. true. They were very good, though, actually. Surprisingly excellent. <laughs> good. Which episode do you make your appearance in? Well, I'm confused <laughs> by that because um, I, I originally did three and it was going to be 108, 112, and 113. Mm. And then they um, split off some of my scenes into two other episodes. And I know that one of the other ones is 103. But doesn't 103 mean the third episode? You see, I've seen the third episode, and you were definitely not in it. No, so that's why I'm a little... I, I, so I don't know. Mm. And you're Dr... Bedelia du Maurier. That's correct. And are you, are you Dr. Lecter's psychiatrist, am I right? I am. So, so if Dr. Lecter is Hugh Dancy's psychiatrist, and then you're Dr. Lecter's psychiatrist... Yes, exactly. It, it, there's a lot of psychoanalysis going on in the show. There is indeed, and a lot of questions still to be answered. Yeah. It's really great, because there's obviously a whole spate of serial killer kind of shows out at the moment. So I, I, and I, I happen to be in all of them. Yes, <laughs> I was going to say, you really are doing the serial killer thing. You're not in the me. following unless unless you, you're about to come into <laughs> second series of that. But no, I, I kind of put on the first episode of Hannibal feeling a bit kind of weary about it all, but mm. really great. It's really stylish and cinematic. Yes, yeah, so cinematic, um, aren't they? So what made you Beautiful. sign up to that one? And I think as much as anything, everything with me is about timing, you know, and, and so f- first of all, it's... If I respond to a script and the next question is, is it even remotely feasible, feasibly possible? I think I was a bit dubious at the start. Um, hadn't really thought about it in context yet and um, didn't really like the idea of, um, you know, even though it was a three-episode run, wasn't really interested in signing up necessarily to something NBC. And, and then... Um, had a couple of conversations with Brian Fuller who um who convinced me that it would be really cool and um after all it was Mads and it and it mm. would be Lawrence and it would be Hugh and um and and who wouldn't want to play um <laughs> Hannibal psychiatrist really and and I think at that point it occurred to me how to go about it mm. and then I thought actually you know what why not? Yeah. Go and have some fun. It's a cool role. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's a very brave show for a network show, especially. You know, it's quite... Uh, it, it's very dark, very graphic, but also quite um, serialised rather than standalone. There's lots of mm. sort of story arcs running through them. And very cerebral. Very much time. so, yeah. yes. And Mads, I mean, in many ways, it's, you'd think from his point of view, it's a slightly thankless task to follow Sir Anthony Hopkins into his signature oh, role. But, but, but I think a lot of people will be thinking from now on of... Uh, Mads as Hannibal. He brings a very different kind of yeah. menace, but no, no less so because of it. I think he's he's really good in it. Really, really good. Yeah, he is. Am I right in saying that you were approached for Clarice Starling for the film Hannibal? I went in to meet on it. Yeah. Yes. And of course, you were you were contracted textiles. I, text I have no idea whether I was actually in the running yeah. or it just sounded good on somebody's, uh, you know, like a nice idea. I, I don't actually know. And but you you were cited at the time when you started doing Scully that that. Jodie Foster's Clarice Starling was kind of an inspiration for that character. Um, well, that's what I mean. I'd been to, as as I was going into the audition mm. and having discussions at the very beginning with Chris Carter. Um, um, 
that did kind of come up as as reference of the type of strong woman who would be sitting in front of um, or, or dealing with these uh, types of situations in this. I, I haven't talked to him about it since then, so I don't know how what percentage of uh, Clarice or how much Silence of the Lambs was on his mind when he was writing it. Mm. But, um, certainly, as I understand it, was partial inspiration, yeah. It's 20 years Don't next year. 20 so. years. <laughs> 20 year anniversary. That's, it, does it feel like a lifetime ago? Uh, yeah. It feels like about, yeah, it feels like about 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it does, yeah. I mean, I was, I was a child. I was a mere child. I believe this was uh, the year that in the morphology of the show, the invasion of Earth was going to happen. We, we interviewed Frank Spotsnitz on this podcast not too long ago, and he talked about how they at one point had wanted to do a film more about kind of wrapping up I mean the, the number three the mythology of it yeah all. yeah do you, do you think you'll ever put scully's Shoes shoulder holster on, on yeah. or whatever <laughs> yeah do, do you think that'll happen i mean it has to hasn't it they're bringing everything back and well the, i think i guess it it all depends and and believe me i get asked this question at least once a week um <laughs> yeah. the, the, the fact is that if it is currently being i, I you know the person who's going to write that script is chris I also know that Chris has a couple, two or three or four other things on his plate right now. Mm. So even if he were to be writing it actively, I imagine it's actively in between other things. Mm. And um, and he'd, he'd want to get it into a place that he felt completely happy with um, before, you know, exposing it to us and, you know, potentially exposing it to Fox to try and convince them to do it. And so there are a lot of steps that need to take place between now and uh, when we'd be on set filming. And... Mm. I also have to imagine since we're halfway through 2013 that maybe any ideas that one had or what it might be around, you know, 2012 would not be uh, uh, the same. Aliens, yeah, they're not that punctual. Maybe you could have a, <laughs> a prologue explaining they, they got held up doing something else. Yes, or, or that we've got it all wrong and that actually this is this is 2012 <laughs> and somewhere the maths were just... But it's, um, it's, it's interesting you, uh, seeing you back on TV playing two kind of law enforcement roles because mm. I imagine you had a bit of scully fatigue at one point and mm. you were veering away from that. Not, not that these two roles are anything like scully, but did you go in the other direction? And um, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean I, ironically, even though I have been um, uh, uh, steering away, um, I have, you know, in between, I've also played MI5 and MI7 and, and so... I guess if if there's if I um, if I respond to the script enough and it seems like there's a way in that doesn't that that bypasses rather than enters through anything that Scully uh, um, you know might have done then I then I might be inclined to say yes but it's only if if they they feel like whole and completely separate characters um, yeah I mean I I don't actually think that I've ever read a script that did have someone that was remo remotely like Scully in it. Mm. I mean, I don't think I, I've gotten those, but, um, um, yeah, I, I do try and shake yeah. it up a bit. It's weird to think, actually, because X-Files hit in 94, which was largely when the internet went mainstream, when people started going. So in many ways, it was the first internet craze, was people searching for stuff on the X-Files, which makes you and David the two first internet sex symbols. What was out before? What? No, I think you must be wrong about that. No, I think I, I discovered it in about um, 2000. 
It's uh, it's funny actually because there, there's a there's a whole. I'm, I'm sure you don't even need to know this, but there's a whole subculture of slash fiction online for TV stuff. Now, obviously, there's lots of fan fiction around shows. Slash fiction is when fan fiction takes a slightly weird sexual skew. Have, yeah, you, have you heard of this? I, just recently, I yeah. heard of this. I was at a comic con and somebody suggested that I check something out, and I I'd never heard of it before. Terrifying. And, and more people said, actually, don't check it yeah. out. <laughs> but there's a world of sites just dedicated to X Files really? slash fiction. Yes, there's a, a very strange line in Skinner Crycheck fiction, and an even scarier Mulder Skinner Crycheck subsection. Oh, threesome, to it. like yeah. a threesome. Absolutely. Oh, wow. It's it's some That's scary stuff. To avoid. I'm not prudish by any stretch of the imagination, but somehow I've managed to change the subject on that. What subject are you most geeky about? Is there anything that you kind of have uh, no got got too into? No, there isn't. I was asked recently on a I did a Reddit, an AMA Reddit, and um, somebody asked that. I think for the first time, and and I said that the closest thing I've gotten to is um, you know getting obsessed. By Radiohead and and mm. uh, um, but that's it's you know it's it's looking up when they're in concert and trying to make sure that I can go and get tickets. So that's that's, that's kind of that. the extent. It doesn't count. You haven't does memorized it? the lyrics to all today or anything. no, no. I mean I know a lot of the lyrics. There's very uh, um, I don't know a lot of many lyrics, but I know Radiohead lyrics. Um, but I don't, I'm not really. I get obsessed with other things that are closer to home. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Well, when you've got kids, I suppose... <laughs> I need to know what you're laughing yeah. at. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It was, yes, OK, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe um, I interviewed you ages ago, and you told me that you had a shaved head at one point. Mm. Well, sha- shaved on the side with a razor blade. Oh, so not a complete G.I. Jane. It was, no, uh, no, 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 no. I had more the thing that when I went yeah. to the clubs, I could... Into it. <laughs> How old were you at that point? Fifty, maybe fifteen. We'd come. We, 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 my parents had a flat in Harringay, and so we would come back in the summertime and spend a couple months. And this particular time, I came back, and it started with this pair of red pointy shoes. <laughs> Patent leather red pointy shoes, which is very very different from what I was wearing jeans and army jackets, even through the summer, and big sweaters. And something happened with these red pointy. Shoes and and it went from that and a purple miniskirt and a pink sweatshirt to literally black pointy boots with buckles up the sides and shaving the side of my head and getting my nose pierced and um, yes and just wearing black uh, stolen thrift store clothing um, until well into college until well I think until I got the shop on the X Files. <laughs> And he had to look as sort of buttoned down as humanly possible. Well, yeah, I came in. Chris Cottonwood says I came in looking like a waif, and uh, scraggly, and um, wearing clothes that were way too big for me. Because <laughs> um, that's what you do. You know, you buy these black um, dresses, or you shoplift these black dresses at <laughs> thrift stores, which is not, you know, don't do this. So I'm not um, saying it's a good thing. But and then you just put a belt around. It doesn't matter what size it is. You just yank a, a cool belt around it, and then you're all set. So, uh, yes, I think I showed up looking r- kind of like that to my first X-Files audition and somebody uh, set me straight. So and Yeah, and then it became iconic from then. It was, it was, it was the, the red bob, that was the, the look. Well, I didn't have red hair. That, yeah. That's not my... Yes, I had, uh, uh, at that particular time, quite mousy brown. 
Or maybe, maybe it wasn't. I think maybe it was a different color, and they turned it into that color for the pilot just to unify one color. And then I think realized after the pilot um, that it just looked really boring, and that's when I became a redhead. And also they covered up. Chris always he said he said that he thought there wasn't enough room on my face for my mole that I have over my lip, and so for the entire nine years of X Files, we covered it up every single time. Every time before every scene to come in with that little brush with that. Yeah. It could have been worse. I remember Chris Hemsworth saying of uh, of Thor because they made him wear the wig, but they also made him sort of like dye his eyebrows and his stubble to make it blonde. And when he came back for the Avengers, he said that's the one thing he refused to do, was dye his eyebrows, because he wasn't setting a trend. Oh, wow. So he should have made a stand at the beginning oh, of season two wow. and said, that's it, yes. the mole's coming back, yeah. enough. It grew yeah. <laughs> in the interim. <laughs> um, when you were abducted, you could have rolled it in there. Yes, there's a lot of if onlys. So, The Fall, I watched the first episode. It's, uh, it's very good, actually. It's quite, uh, quite disturbing, good, quite dark. Actually, that wasn't a, <laughs> it was surprisingly good, I thought. It would be dreadful. Uh, no, it's very good. Very good. I always find these kind of serial killer shows that, just because I'm British, presumably, so much more disturbing when they're set, you know, in the UK. Uh, whereas when they're set in America, like Hannibal, you can detach it from because mm. it's all happening across the pond. You don't really worry about it. Um, but this one, yeah, it was really quite, uh, yeah, quite heavy hitting. That was good. So there. So there. Yeah. yeah. How did you get involved in in this? What was it that that jumped out to you about about this particular serial killer show to add to your collection of serial killer shows? Um, well, the scripts, bottom line was the scripts. Mm. Um, they were just so good from page one and uh, very different from um, a lot of scripts that I'd uh, read. Um, and I, I just immediately fell in love with uh, Stella Gibson. Mm. And um, the, the only hurdle at the time for me was stepping into a potential series um, because that's what this would have been. And even though it was five, it would mean, you know, coming back to do more if it was picked up. And also even doing five is a bigger time commitment, and I hadn't really done that in a long time. And so there was a lot of that kind of logistical considerations. Um, but then when I sat down with uh, Alan Cubitt, the writer, mm. and uh, Julian Stevens and Gubniel at Artist Studio, that I just... Um, I was completely persuaded to do it just in their passion for it and Alan's immersement in the characters and uh, um, I, yeah, yeah, and got very involved, more involved than I've ever gotten into um, something that's shooting, mm. um, gotten very involved in developing things but n not as involved in, um, in the shooting and uh, casting and two cents on directors and editing and stuff like that and so um uh feel very attached to it and didn't mm. realize how because it was we shot it about this time last year or in april of last year in belfast and um um thought at the beginning that it was going to be airing in october and uh so now it's may and it just feels like a very long time ago that we did this and and um I think in my brain, I just let go of it for a long time. I was very, very immersed in it and then just um, got fed up with waiting and um, kind of stuck it in a box somewhere. And and, um, and then when it came time to start doing press for it and seeing it again and reminded uh, how much I liked it, I think I became um, a bit afraid of what... of, of I, I realised how much I cared what people thought... Yeah. And that I was actually really anxious about it and really wanted people to like it. And um, 
uh, and I'm very glad that they do. Yeah, absolutely, because it's gone down extremely well. Mm. Uh, hopefully, as it plays out, it'll it'll gain it gets a following. Better. It gets better and better. Tonight's episode, the, the third episode, I think, is my favourite. Okay. But tonight's episode is very good. And I've recently heard somebody told me that, um, well, if you had saw the first episode, you would have um, seen uh, that Gibson um, mentions her hotel room Yes. 203 to yes. a young detective. And and uh, apparently uh, room 203 of the Hilton in Belfast is booked up until December of 2014. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. That's, that's a great scene, actually, the way she comes in, because it's, it's, it says a lot about that character, that she just walks up, lays that out there. It's a bit, you know... Well, you know what's very odd to me is because all this, this type of viewer... Um, attachment and intensity, of course, would have happened with the X-Files. And I mm. didn't really... It was almost too much information for me to take in at the time, I think. Um, but now, with some perspective, uh, somebody else sent, Somebody else had... Tra- at one point in the first episode, you, and, and in future episodes, you see me kind of waking up in the middle of the night and writing down my dream on mm. a piece of paper. But there's other stuff that's written on the page and that I wrote uh, that she might have written. And... Um, somebody's transcribed what the other stuff on the page is, and I sent it to um, to Alan Cubitt, the writer, and said, "Here we go," because <laughs> that's exactly what it was. It was almost like a flashback of, yeah. you know, I've I've read this smells familiar to me. This kind of uh, this this is what mm. happens. When Start, people, starts yeah. with the dream journal, ends with the full slash fiction. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Oh my goodness! But you're, I mean, you talk about TV, and, and, and it is quite a commitment. Don't it'll happen. I'm, I was, yeah. Um, uh, you're, you're, are you appearing in Crisis? I believe, which is mm. one of the new the new US network shows, isn't it? I am indeed. And is that is that a regular role, or is it a, again a few episode commitment? No, it's a it's a it's a full on it's a full on commitment. Wow! I had a, a deal with NBC. It wasn't at the time called Crisis. Um, um, it was been called the um, Untitled Rand Ravitch Project until oh, now. So Rand, Good. yeah, but no, but they wouldn't have. Kept, you know, it was obviously the working title. But um, so I, I haven't quite got used to saying crisis. Um, and uh, uh, but yes, I had a deal at NBC um, and for a development deal, mm. and um, it, it, anything could have happened. You know, they could have sent me scripts that I didn't appeal to me. I could have developed something with them from scratch in various incarnations. But they sent this script, and um, I, I was expecting not to like it, just because I, I don't like very much. <laughs> and, um, and I did. I couldn't put it down, and I gave it to my teenager, and um, and she couldn't put it down. And I kind of thought, uh-oh. Oh, um, and started to talk to the producer and writer about it and what that would look like. And, you know, it's 22. Well, I mean, they've been picked up for 13, but the aim is that it'll be 22. Yeah. I've done 22 before and and um, that literally makes you want to keel over. But it's it's an ensemble piece, very much ensemble. And you, you, you have an invested interest in all the different characters. And so there will be um, um, bits of me and and potentially more bits than than other characters um but it's still very much ensemble that's going all those different tv shows are going on are you doing anything else <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like you're busy enough i'm but... about i'm about to start shooting a um a futuristic film again in belfast um with ben kingsley yes. called our robot overlords now are you guys like sci-fi geeks at all or oh mostly... yes oh yes james okay. speaks klingon so please please can you explain to me because i haven't 
when I first sat down with the director and I said, okay, this title, can we have a conversation about this title? Because I, I don't know if anybody's going to see it, if it's <laughs> called this. And he said, trust me, in, the, in that world, it means something and people will respond to it. Can you answer that for me? Wow, I'm on the spot now. You are, um, but um, to the extent that I time. know what it means, yeah. um, it's it, to be honest, it's probably a reference to some kind of classic sci-fi thing that I am slightly unfamiliar okay. with. My sci-fi knowledge is a bit more Star Trek, yes, and less sort of you know classic Wells. Um, but it, it, it's probably a reference to 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 one of those type of things because that sort of evil overlords thing is, yes. is a theme throughout science fiction, isn't it? So I imagine it's a thing. So he's probably right, and I probably just don't know. Okay, well, I'm, I'm I'm trusting. I'm trusting, but it'll. It's. I'm. I'm looking forward to it with lots of running around in, in the bush of Belfast, whatever that means. Um. <laughs> but it's. It's. It, it may be quite a good title. It is certainly not as good a title as uh, the Curse of the Buxom Strumpet. Every single <laughs> interview I do, nice I'm asked about that title. It's the best title Isn't it? ever. I know. I, I. I only keep it on my IMDb TV page because of that fact. No, and also that eventually, I, I hope it's like a, um, and I, I must remember what what century it is, but I think, I think it's seventeenth century, mm. and I, I, but I do know that it has to do with um, zombies. Yes, I, I read that. It's oh. a period zombie film. Yes, it's, it is a period zombie film which that is... originally had Judy Dench, and I think still has Ian McKellen. So sign me up. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So this is in development at the moment. Well, it's been in development for I think the four years that I've been attached to it. I, wow. I don't know. Um, hopefully, hopefully at some point, uh, uh, they'll film it, and hopefully I'll be available to shoot it. Just for the title alone. Just for the title it's alone. Absolutely worth yes, it. Yes, but the Buxom Strumpet is the name of a vessel of a ship. Ah, uh, right. Yes, just so you know, and my character. Yes, but indeed. No, no, yes. no. Okay. No. There's a there's a movie coming out this summer called The World's End. Um, I'm not sure if you know, it's Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. And um, I've heard Simon Pegg describing meeting you for the first time. Yes. I, I, can I hear that from your perspective? Was it Apparently it was a pub quiz. It was a pub quiz. Um, I'd gone with uh, Chris Martin of Coldplay. And um, he wanted, I think it was up in Islington somewhere, but I wasn't living here at the time, so I was a bit um, discombobulated. But he... Um, wanted me to meet some of his, uh, there was his bandmates and a couple of his other mates. And Simon, who at the time was doing uh, Spooked, no. Spaced. Spaced, Spaced sorry. Was doing Spaced. Um, ha there was a feature in Space that involved Scully. And um, and so, and I think being the sci-fi fan that Simon is and always has been, also being able to um, speak Klingon, um, uh, was interested in... Um, meeting Scully and so I went up there and did the pub quiz with them and um, only later and I think he handed me a copy of Spaced in that particular episode <laughs> when I sat down at the table and so it was only later that I uh, you know got to fully appreciate uh, what it is that those guys do and um, and also uh, the very funny uh, experience of watching that particular scene um, um, which people can find uh, online, I'm sure. On Netflix. But then when we met again, it was for How to Lose Friends and Alienate yep, People, yep. and that was that was the time when he, you know, got to say, "Oh my God, you've, so you've seen it now, and now I'm really embarrassed, and we have scenes together." And but what did he say? Did he say something different than than what I've just said? I think he just said he was nervous and it was a little bit awkward. 
but I'm sure. Yes, I, I I wasn't nervous. He was he was <laughs> he was nervous. Yes, of course. Now he's he's gone on to uh, huge things. He has. I huh? I desperately need to. Um, get both him and now Will Wheaton, who I've recently met. I saw. He you had saw, a picture with you on Twitter. Yes, um, of uh, regaling them to talk to Mr. Abrams about putting me in the next Star Trek. Yes. Mm. So That's got to happen. See, this could work because JJ has, has a secret sort of uh, thing for, for period dramas. Mm. He's obsessed with Downton Abbey. No, absolutely, really? absolutely true story. I interviewed him for that. We did a JJ issue, uh, uh, last issue, last issue, uh, and I did a long interview with him. And he, uh, obsessed with Downton Abbey to frightening levels. Oh my goodness! So much so he spent a good portion of the interview just talking about how much he wants to go on set. And a few weeks later, he tweeted a picture of himself in the kitchen, in Mrs. Patmore's kitchen, <gasps> stirring a bowl of that's something. hysterical. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, so maybe I can go on to Star Trek wearing a Victorian frock. It could happen. It <laughs> yes. could happen. Have you seen his show Fringe? Because that's that's kind of no, I have not. But what's very odd is that my um, uh, that the father of my teenager in Vancouver, Canada, worked on that for a long time. Really? Um, so yes, mm. what goes around? Good show. Heavily, heavily influenced by the X Files. Yeah. But uh, yeah. aren't they all? They are. They are. I'm just <laughs> thinking about that pub quiz. And <laughs> oh yeah, did you guys? Win? I'm just imagining everyone else in the pub looking, and there's a table with you, Chris Martin, and Simon Pegg. Did you win? Really? Yeah, that's did, the important you... thing. Are I you don't actually at... remember playing. I'm not sure if I if I actually. I'm terrible at trivia. I have. I literally have the worst working memory, and I'm I'm recently interested in in having it tested because. But I'm so afraid that I'm going to find out that I'm actually a dunce that um, I've been putting it off because then, uh, you know, it might influence um, how much I, I pretend that I know things. <laughs> I just give up entirely. Do you have, a, do you have a, like, a specialist subject or anything that's not Madagascar 2? A specialist subject? Yeah, geography, history. No, no, no. I'm a... I, I'm a what, what's that thing about the master of... What, what's that? Oh, um, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Yes, I'm the mm. jack of no trades and the master <laughs> <Wow>. of none. <laughs> really? Serious? Probably not an asset to the average pub quiz team, then. No, <laughs> no, no not, not by any stretch. I was asked to do celebrity jeopardy once. <laughs> I mean, that's literally my idea of hell. There was that celebrity jeopardy spoof that they used to do on Saturday Night Live, and I saw it was David Duchovny's impression of Jeff Goldblum. Oh, know. really? Have you, have you seen that? No, I don't think I have. It's amazing. And Is I it? interviewed Jeff Goldblum and I asked him and he did an impression of David doing an impression of him. No, that's brilliant. One of my favourite experiences. That's quite meta. Yeah. That's brilliant. So I take it you don't do an impression of anyone. <laughs> no, I don't. But I'll tell you something that I recently played my, my um, that I have to plug uh, somewhere in the world, which is... My, my sister recently got married in New Orleans and um, after the wedding, uh, we all went up to this little bed and breakfast uh, somewhere on the outskirts of the city and... Um, somebody had given them as part of their wedding present this game called Cards Against Humanity. They're cards for horrible people. And um, it's one of the funniest. It's like a grown-up ad libs where you fill in the blanks. You, you, every, everybody holds 10 cards. And then there's one black card that's picked and has a, um, a blank. And you get to fill in the blank with what you think the best of your 10 cards would be. And then um, the person who read out the black card... Uh, decides which is the best answer, and uh, I mean, we were peeing ourselves. We, we played. We we had a picnic on the grass. It was a sunny day. 
my mom, my sister, her wife, my um, daughter, and uh, me. Five of us, and we played for three and a half hours. That, that's quite a recommendation. Cards Against Humanity. It was invented by these guys in Chicago, in Logan Square in Chicago, and you can only buy it online. And, um, I mean, I don't know the whole story, but they're like college or even high school kids. I mean, some of the answers are are so disturbing. You laugh as much out of embarrassment and you can't believe these words have come out of your mouth. And also, I mean, just so politically incorrect and inappropriate. And fabulous. They just they're they're a must. I've been hesitating talking about them because I don't <laughs> want but there are already supplements. You can actually send away for supplement cards. Wow. Like a but Star Trek expansion. To, it has to be um Yes, has we to must. Be we must celebrated. get one of these. We'll have you back, and we'll do a live game of it. Oh, <laughs> I don't think you'd. Be, I don't think it would be allowed. Really? No, yeah. I think you might be shut down. Too blue. All right, maybe we'll skip that. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, Gillian uh, Anson, thank you so much. Is that, for coming. Is that it? Thank you. Well, We're if, done. if you want to carry on, you're welcome. In, okay, unless there's any other board games uh, you wish to play. Let, let me assure, let me assure you, I have. <laughs> we have nothing better to do than to stay here and talk. <laughs> to you. Absolutely not. If you want to carry I, even on, even just to talk about the fact that you were on The Simpsons, which is uh, yeah. amazing. Amazing, I know. That's still, still, still often considered one of, if not the best, cameo episode of The Simpsons. No. Yes, according to the internet. Really? Yeah. According yeah. to. I need to watch it. Oh, it's very good. It's very good. I, I need to see it again, actually. I need to, yeah. yes. Yeah. What I want is a cell. A cell? <laughs> I want a cell of Mulder and Scully oh, as a right. Simpsons. Yeah. How, surely... Just, I mean, actually, I probably have one. I was I've about got, to say, I, you must I, have one. I, I I'm sure Matt Groening would give you one if you are. Actually, I think I do have one. I think it's in my... I have this storage locker in yeah. in Los Angeles that's filled... Um, there was a... Um, a pinball machine that was made, an X-Files pinball machine That's that amazing. was given, um, I can't remember who made it, whether it was Fox, it was like a, you know, mm. when they started um, spending money on our Christmas presents. <laughs> and um, um, it's a fantastic pinball machine. It's sitting in my, you know, my store. This is, this is eBay Nirvana, right? This is your, your retirement sorted here. <laughs> is that just a case of it would be weird to have people around and you've got an X-Files pinball machine in your lounge? Well, or- no, the th- I did have it, actually. It was in my gym in Malibu and um, I just didn't feel right about shipping it to London. <laughs> and I don't have... I don't have a house in the States anymore, so it yeah. just it's there until until I do. I have it on good authority that David Hasselhoff has a Baywatch pinball machine in his house. Really? So if he can do it... I believe that. Yeah, you could totally get away with it. I, what, I would what, have no shame about having it in my... <laughs> what did you steal? Be honest now. What did you steal from the set of The X-Files? You must have stuff. I do, I've got lots of stuff. <laughs> do you have one of the I Want to Believe posters? I think I do, yeah. Because wasn't they were notorious the for being stolen. Yes, but I think I've got one of the real ones, whatever that means. I mean, they're all, you know... They're all Legitimately stolen. Anyway. Yeah. Lots of things. thing, You know, things. Like, um, I think I've got... I don't know what it would be, but there was an episode called Clive Bruckman's Final Repose, mm-hmm. and I've got, you know, I've got... I don't know what it is that I've got. I don't know whether it's a menu from that. I've got, you know... Um, um, there was an episode where... Something happened. <laughs> Something about voodoo, and my eyes went black. And there was this trinkety thing. Yeah. I don't even know what it was, but it, um, I have one of those. <laughs> See, it's, not, <laughs> it's really it's not interesting. Sticking in the memory. Really, really. Really I was kind of, yeah, I always kind of think of the scenes, I don't know whether it's series three or four, it was when you got abducted and you were in the spaceship and yeah. you know, I think you were pregnant at the time. So that, Oh, one of those things, I don't yeah. have one of those now. I have I have Scully's gravestone. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that is that's cool. Re- yeah, there was only one. 
And is that in your garden? And I've or? got it. <laughs> yeah. It's down the bottom. Where do you keep the graves? Storage though? space. It's yeah. also in storage. Um, so what are you going to do with all this stuff? Really this... Cool stuff? I guess eventually I'll um, auction it off. I have, you know, if there is an, another X Files movie, I'll probably um, I'll do another auction. I did an auction for charity of a bunch of stuff um, a couple of years when the last movie came yeah. out, and I'll probably do the same. But it'll probably be my my grandchildren that auction off the um the problem is that no I, I, originally i was going to say nobody will be alive or even knows what the x-files is at the, at the point when my grandchildren um would auction it off to pay their rent but um uh there's a whole new generation of watchers yes there now, are which is really awesome it's like twilight zone it's gonna last forever i'm, I'm sure of it oh it's, yeah. i think it will just be it, it's that big well that it, it, it only just occurred to me embarrassingly in the last month that there will be a point when my little kid my four-year-old and my six-year-old come to me and they start asking questions about it and i'll sit them down and and watch it but i just that the that had never occurred to me before Mm. that there would be a time when they'd be old enough to do that oh you can probably do degrees in it somewhere i'm certain you can do degrees in anything these days, but I'm sure because it's so influential in its field, I'm sure you could do well, a there whole was a, there, there was a phenomenon that was written about in the science books about the phenom- the, the Scully sensation, they mm. called it, I think, mm. where um, there were more, there's a, there was a preponderance over a period of time of, of young girls going into either forensic pathology or to the FBI or, um, you know, because of Scully. And then quitting when they find out there's no Yeti. So. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's really just boring. Yeah. Do you remember that shoot you did? I forget what magazine it was for, but it was you and David in a bed. It was quite early yeah, it was on. Rolling Stone. That Australian was it, Rolling, Rolling Stone. Stone yeah. And it caused a massive sort of uproar in the fan community, because you may or may not know this. There was a big division between the no-romos, I looked this up, and right. the shippers, which are the people who wanted the sexual tension to be resolved and the people who were adamant that it shouldn't be. Yes. Uh, and and the people, the, the no-romos, were quite horrified at the idea of this particular image. Huh. Uh, and, and, yeah, it was the whole thing. No-romos. No-romos. I've only heard that recently for the first time at yeah. a Comic-Con that I was at. Um, yes, C- I wasn't aware C-O-T-R of it. is a big thing that goes around. Conversation on the rock. That's a thing. What does that mean? I, no, this is, this is, if, if this were a religion, this sort of shipper thing, then that's their... their Touchstone. It's there's a uh, an episode in season I want to say three called Quagmire where there's a, a sea monster thing. Yeah. And you get knocked out of a ship and you swim and you sit on a rock. I do. Uh, well, you and David, does. both of you, oh, yeah. on on this rock, and you have quite a sort of a flirty, in depth conversation. And this is seen as sort of the most amazing uh, sort of like flirty sexual tension type. Really. Uh, thing. That, that far remember. in the show, it was sort of the closest they'd ever oh, become. Oh, okay. So it yeah. became a really big thing for them all. C-O-T-R. Conversation on the rock. Yeah, this is our whole thing. <laughs> Maybe I should have a T-shirt made up. <laughs> yeah, with that on C-O-T-R. it. C-O-T-R. Yeah, you totally should. I'm doing oh. Milton Keynes. There's a Comic-Con in Milton Keynes this coming weekend that I'm going to be at. Maybe I should have a T-shirt made up. Drop it. Made Drop it to the them. audience and ask them if they know what it means. I'm not going to... Believe me, I will not remember what those initials are. <laughs> I have to program them into my Blackberry right now. <laughs> Set an alarm to yeah. to alarm like during the, the, the Q&A. So if you say Whereby that, people will... Whereby uh, it'll start going off and I'll reach and I'll go, oh, yeah. yes. And people will I'm faint. I'm supposed to ask you. <laughs> C-O-T-R t-shirt, they will go nuts. Yeah. You're going to be cutting out three quarters of this interview. Very not interesting, but because I decided to do the, the Comic-Cons over this year, that it's the 20th year anniversary, and suddenly realised as I would get, you know, pack my little suitcase to go away to whatever city that it was in and have to pack three different outfits for a weekend... That, you know what I mean? It was just uh, so I've decided that I'm going to wear one outfit for every Comic Con that I go to. It just makes sense. I mean, I've, I pretty much wear 
This is the summertime. I wear the same trousers and boots for every Comic Con. You only see that when you see the photographs. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not, so maybe what I should do is that will be my T-shirt. Yeah, do it. C O T R. I'm going to do that. I'm going to orchestrate that. When you get the red shoes out of storage, yeah. And get yeah, <laughs> razor. Yeah. So yeah. is that is that something you haven't done a lot of in the past? Never in these done. Kind of no. Company things, yeah. right? Oh never, wow. Never. So why did you decide to? Well, kind it's of the 20th them? anniversary. Mm, yeah. I've been asked forever, mm. and um, just thought that it might be a nice. Thing. Well, and when I first started out, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do a couple of them and then that's it. And then I thought, you know, why don't I do, I'll set a limit and I'll do a year and, you know, drop into these different um, cities and um, and just kind of get face to face with the fans mm. and get to say thank you and meet some of the people who have kept it. And the greatest thing is, you know, is not just people who have seen it, but are dragging their teenagers along who have just watched the first four seasons and they're getting to sit down and rewatch them again. And, and that's so cool. Yeah. I have to say, completely apropos of nothing, but you just made me think, Brian Thompson is amazing. Yes, he is. <laughs> he, he's the chief shape-shifting alien, I think you'll find. Oh, yes, the, of course, yes. yes. And he's been in loads of stuff, and he doesn't, he's not in enough things. I love Brian Thompson, he's great. Hmm. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't heard his name in a very, very well, long it, time. It's been a while. Yeah. It has. We were talking before this. We were, we were uh, contemplating testing you on your knowledge of the. Oh, do uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> don't bother. Don't bother. That, it's, no, come on. Um, uh, ask me three questions. Well, go on on the spot, Nick. Go on. Three questions. As, as someone who sat down recently okay. and watched all of the arc, the Alien arc episodes of uh, of X Files. Okay. All okay. Right. Well, what do the bees mean? What do they mean? Yeah, how yeah. do they tie into the uh, <laughs> <laughs> symbolism of what bees? What do you mean what they mean? They're what? bees. Okay, all right. I no, guess but that's it has right. something with it. No, it has something to do with um, with vaccinations. <laughs> all right, can you, can you, in two sentences, sum up the alien arc that Fuck runs off. throughout the series? Fuck off. That's not... <laughs> no, no. Okay, I've got an easy one. That's okay. the, the third one. Okay, um, the stretchy serial killer tombs. Yes. What's his first name? The actor. No, the character. Oh, um, wait. Do you know this, James? I, I know his middle name as well. <laughs> hang on, hang That's on. It will come, it will come. I, I actually recognise that I knew that once. <laughs> um, hang on, it's in there. Wait, wait, wait. Because uh, you will be asked this on the weekend in Milton Keynes. Um, Eugene. Yes. Yes, correct. Double points if you can get his middle name. No, come on. Is it, do we actually know or is it just yes, an initial? Yes, because I believe when they refer to him, they refer to him as first name, middle name, last name. I don't know this. Really? Eugene uh, Victor Toombs. Victor, I wouldn't Victor. have gotten that. I think Eugene it. is very impressive. I wish Thank we had you. some kind it of prize for It came from the end of my big toe on my left foot. <laughs> That's where that came from. That's very good. That was the first episode of The X-Files that I ever saw. Yeah. Toombs. When was the last time you saw any of that stuff? There was a year. When was that? There was a, uh, it was probably 2005 or six when my now 18-year-old was starting to... Um, watch it a little bit and so she asked which ones I'd recommend that she saw and or I decided to take control and show her my favourite one but I don't even know I've got a favourite Bad Blood mm. um, which is the vampires yes. one yes okay I've got a question uh, for you okay <laughs> okay at the end of one episode you end up at a concert a concert for a popular musical act who is it and what is the song? Oh, I rem- hang on. I wait, that 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 was in um it was black and white. It yes. was Prometheus. There's something so hang on, something Prometheus, wait. And it was uh, Chris Carter's episode he directed and it was Cher. It was. 
I'm not going to be able to remember the name of the song. The postmodern Prometheus. Mm, yes. I'm, I'm, so, I'm really impressing myself right now. <laughs> I from your, say, this your is other so, this, is, this is very, very rare. What, uh, your memory is great. You no, cannot it's not. I'm telling you, no, no, no. That's, Believe me, talk to my family. <laughs> my memory sucks. No, what's the song? I think. See, now you've made me doubt myself. I was going to say Walking in Memphis. I'm certain it was that. Yeah, it is. But it, it is, is Walking is. in okay, Memphis, okay, yes. Good. And we slow danced, David and. Uh, Muldron Scully slow dance. That I know that. weirdly uh, from interviewing him back in the, that's his favourite episode. Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah, D- David's favourite episode. That's what he told me, yeah. Is it? It's a good episode. It is a good episode, actually. It's, it was one of those, because there were quite a few of those where they were just off the rails crazy ones, which kind of caught you by surprise. Because you'd go in hoping for sort of a revelation about the black oil, and then you'd get right. a black and white show yeah, about yeah. a yeah. Quasimodo guy dancing to, to share. Yeah. Hmm. And then there was Triangle. Do you remember Triangle on the ship and it went back to the 40s? Yes, yes. I do remember that. It's very few TV shows are that adventurous, mm. I think. You know, to, it jumped around, there were comedy episodes, horror episodes. Well, I think, uh, and I'm, I might be wrong, I'm just making this up, but there was a certain point where where the, I think that, you know, they were finally given carte blanche in mm. terms of what they could do and they, they you know, they knew what a perfectionist Chris was and that if they gave him, you know, the go that he'd be, he'd deliver on all levels and so they just kind of hmm. let them run right. And and then, of course, he had Morgan and Wong as some of the writers and who have the, such great creative uh, ingenuity. And so, yeah, it was a good mix. Have you ever wanted to run your own TV show? Have you ever come up, <laughs> have you come up with some ideas? <laughs> this is a, as good a forum as any, I guess. I, I come up with some ideas I've pitched a few things um, mm. I've developed um, uh, well one thing in particular a couple of things but one thing in particular not running mm. no but definitely in development and producing and yeah because you directed uh, some episodes of the X-Files uh, one, one I, episode. Just, I, I won't direct one episode right okay only and and very much want to direct again but I've got this weird thing that I've done to myself which is that I optioned a book uh must be over a decade now that I've been um, adapting into screenplay, not to be in, but to direct. And and so on some level, even though... Oh, that, sorry. So. <laughs> do you want me to write something? <laughs> so bad, yeah, write it down Do you want me. to write something down? Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> hang on, thank you. <laughs> I just got offered to direct something and I haven't returned the email. Um, okay, all right, well, I won't look. Okay, it's, no, it's, no, it's no, confidential. Right. Um, no, but I feel like I, I, there's part of me that has always felt like until I've until I've accomplished that goal um, that I can't direct anything else. And also just not, it's in my mind, I've made up that I'll be a failure if I don't, if I don't accomplish that at some point, even if I'm 90 when it happens. And so I've kind of set myself up in this weird thing, but um, I will at some point. And also because I'm, I, uh, I'm very bossy (laughs) and I have a lot of opinions and I'm sure that, um, Sometimes I must be a real pain in the ass to have on a set from a director. But um, was that was that on the, in the case of the X Files episode that you? No, directed? no, no, no. Was it weird going from having one relationship with the the crew to suddenly? No, not at all. And they were loved. They were fantastic. I couldn't have asked for a better mm. experience in that. And I was, um, but I, I did two things. Uh, one thing which I didn't realise uh, uh, in a Freudian way had done until afterwards that I'd. Um, not written many scenes for David, I think, in a fear of directing him. You know what I mean? In a fear of being in that position. And the other thing that I did is wrote myself into too many scenes because I was directing it and 
good God, why would I put that pressure on myself? But it didn't occur to me. Hmm. Have you, I take it, since you don't watch a lot of TV, you've not seen any of David's new show, Californication? I ha- I, you know what I did see? At one point I was sent um, BAFTA, uh, uh, would it have been BAFTA screenings of it? Or maybe there were SAG screenings hmm. of it. And um, sat down and watched um, three of them um, and thought they were absolutely hysterical. There was, one, there, was one, there was one in particular that I watched a couple of times that was so fucking funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Evan Handler in particular, it's just, it just destroys me. That's that, that episode, sorry, I have to say that. This is interesting. <laughs> but that episode, I don't... See, this is exactly why I don't, because I'm afraid... This, okay, so that episode where he, st- where he and his wife start doing drugs again mm. together and... What's, what else is that? They have the... Oh, fuck, I can't remember what happens. Anyway, it's very funny. This would be quite early on, but of David spends a, an inordinate amount of time naked in this particular show, so, as does everyone, it seems. Well, he should be, because he's a- abnormally fit for his age. <laughs> yeah, we feel quite self-conscious, quite frankly, watching that kind of thing. Do you, uh, I'm sure you get asked this all the time as well, but when was the last time you, you saw him or caught up with him? Um, we have an email relationship, and we recently emailed back and forth about something. I can't remember what it was. Um, but yeah, just kind of check in with each other, and then um, you know, if I'm heading to New York, we just missed each other on this last trip. I, you know, let him know, and we try and get together. But but since we live together, um, <laughs> as well, sometimes uh, um, you know, I see him all the time. Okay, all right, sure. The slash the slash uh, writers. Yeah, that we'll we'll file that on the website. We'll be going so crazy that at that point. But you both yeah. got a very good sense of humour just from kind of interview having interviewed you both, like. Oh, good. You're Thank both you. very funny. Good. Uh, so I imagine good. the emails Thank are quite, quite silly as well. Yes, they, get... they, yes we'd, we'd like to top each other in our. Yes. Is it true that um, you used to call him Double, t- double, <laughs> double, D. double D? Double D. Yeah, I still call him Double used... D. And you were called Skullbags? Um, I don't know if he called me Skullbags. I think I called myself Skullbags. Oh, okay. And maybe other people. Or maybe he did. I can't remember. Right. Yes, okay. but he's definitely Double D. So you were trying to get that to catch on? No. <laughs> How did you call yourself Skullbag? You can't give yourself a nickname. It's you didn't just, just come on set and <laughs> Skullbag's here. I think it's a great name, but I'm just yeah. curious. It just didn't happen. It's a shame. Here's, here's, here's my relationship with my character on set. As a, as, a, um, as a going away present once for the crew, I made up these T-shirts of me with um, Q-tips up my nose and coming out of my ears. And uh, maybe somewhere else. No, no, I think it was just involving my head. Um, um, anyway, so, yeah, that's how, that's how I approach my life. That's how you roll. Yeah. yeah that's how I roll. <laughs> that's Skullbags. Right? You mentioned right at the start that you watch more films than TV. So what, what kind of films, what, what gets you out to the cinema? Apart from Madagascar, obviously. Um, um... Well, recently, what I've wanted to see and haven't had a chance to see, I've been really wanting to see In the House and The Reluctant Fundamentalist and, um, um, you know, that kind of um, film. Mm. I have a tendency to go towards... Um, but I'm I'm also excited for Man of Steel to come out. And <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> um, did see Iron Man already. I like actually. There's a couple of movie theaters where I where I enjoy going by myself, um, or of the art house cinemas in mm. London. And um, it's changed a little bit though since the fall. Uh, I, I've had a certain kind of anonymity over the past decade of living here, and and um, 
something slightly shifted over the last <laughs> couple of weeks. And um, so some of the things that I'm used to being able to do may or may not be uh, on my listening more. But I, li- I like actually going to see a, a French film at the Renoir by myself or mm. something like that. Um, Presumably when they're sold out of Fast and Furious 6 tickets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you get that? Do you still get nervous when you are you know, due to work with somebody that you really respect do you, do you still get that uh, or always you, you... i mean i just I, I get nervous before every uh everything i do and first day first two days are hor- just horrible mm. um i just put you know really really hard on myself and just imagine that i'm going to be fired and uh, very often what will happen when you work on a film is that the producers will also be there at the same time and they'll huddle with the director and everybody's uh, whispering <laughs> around the monitor and, and obviously the conversation is always about how much I suck and how much um, uh, they should have hired somebody else. <laughs> um, so that's day one and day two for me and then I settle into it. So yes, and obviously working with yeah. somebody of that calibre is um, <sighs> daunting and... Um, yeah. Do you have scenes with Lawrence Fishman in Hannibal? Because he's, he's one do. of those guys who's I've, quite... Um, just a couple. I was very excited about working yeah. with him. Yeah, so far just a couple. But hopefully um, they'll either get picked up by Embassy or bought by Amazon or something like that. Um, and uh, and it will continue. It seemed to be getting a, a very solid following. Mm. And people... I think somebody sent me something that it was growing... This may be completely wrong. I'm so hesitant to how I remember things. But I thought that it was the ratings were growing by 66% a week or something like that. But that, that... It wouldn't surprise me. The word of mouth has certainly been building quite steadily. I think yeah. the difficult part was that the fourth episode didn't air because it's yes, the it subject was, matter. Yeah. And I think that mm. might have thrown people a little bit. And then they rallied by editing together the, the, the sort of the serialised plot points and putting them on YouTube. So I think that... Uh, that can, but it's aired overseas, so everyone's seen it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but it's such a weird kind of environment with TV show. In a way, you know, nothing ever really gets cancelled anymore as Arrested Development and stuff like that. Yes. And Netflix mm. and yes. things. But in another way, big shows seem to be... But there is, I mean, apparently kind of... even... Um, there's an American series with um, Kerry Washington in it. Oh, Scandal. Was, yes, which was literally apparently on the verge of being dropped. And they thought, oh, let's see, he could add a little bit more. And, and now, now it's, it's a huge... Explodes. Yeah. So yeah. maybe, you know, I don't know, they're taking... More there seems no rhyme or reason sometimes to the way network shows just get axed. The best shows seem to sort of die. Did, did you time. guys ever watch um, Life, which yes, was Ryan Dravich's with last? Damien um, Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that was it's very good. good. Yeah, yeah, that lasted I think two seasons, and then. And is um is um. Enlightened. 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 Oh, I didn't see that. It, I believe oh, it. I, saw I believe the trailer it. For that. it looked so apparently brilliant, funny. but lasted one series. And then there was Jason Isaac's show called Awake. Awake yes. yes, I read that script yes. actually. Uh, that was. Uh, and he was here doing really this. That was fun. Good. Can you come in every week and just give it to our TV statistics yeah. for every show going? That would be fantastic. We <laughs> From could, somebody who doesn't watch it, wouldn't we that have, be yeah, brilliant? Absolutely. We could have you ring in and just yeah, yeah. tell us the I state can, of play. I can confirm that Downton Abbey has risen by sixty-six percent. Well, thank you very much for for. Gone no, so it's been fantastic. No, 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 no. Thank this you very much amazing. for putting up with our witless rambling. Pleasure to be here. On my way to Sadler's Wells. Yes, right indeed. Now. So to see, to see Room on the Broom. dancing with a Sylvie Keel. No. <laughs> so you're in the audience tonight. I'm yeah, in the audience you won't tonight. Be getting yes, up and so I'm doing not going to be. No. Guest voice. God, thank thank you, very, you very much, very much yeah, for coming you for on me. the Empire Podcast. Pleasure. Thank you so much.